Today is Thursday, April the 27th, 2023, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, I break down this weekend series as the Yardcocks return to action at Founders Park to take on the Auburn Tigers in a three-game set. Guys, I'll break down the weekend in its entirety. First things first. We'll start with Auburn. They're pitching, they're hitting. Then, of course, we'll talk South Carolina, the projected weekend rotation, what to watch for the key player of this weekend, and I'll lock in my prediction as well. Also, guys, we have a fantastic conversation with former Georgia quarterback Aaron Murray as he joins the show to talk all things South Carolina and SEC football, a conversation I know you guys are sure to enjoy. Guys, we got a packed show for you here on this Thursday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go down to the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. Here's how it works. You pick two to six players, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry, guys. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sports entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. You can play college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app that's located both on the App Store and Google Play. And they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. Guys, so many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The stage is set for yet another packed weekend of baseball at the friendly confines of Founders Park. And it's safe to say the Rowdy Roosters are ready to once again make it one of the most intimidating atmospheres in all of college baseball. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, 
Happy Thursday. Hope you're all doing well. Chris Phillips here, of course, your host of the Spurs Up show. As always, I hope you're having a fantastic week, and I hope this show does find you well. No matter where you are, what you are doing, we got a packed show for you. A lot to get into here on this Thursday, and also an exciting day because probably the time you're hearing this, we are on the road to Carolina Alehouse Myrtle Beach for the final stop of the TSUS Spring Tour, which will take place tonight. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, as I mentioned, Carolina Alehouse, Myrtle Beach, 6 o'clock is when it all get going. We'll have merchandise on hand for sale. Of course, the Beamer Ball to the Moon Tour shirts. We'll have the towels. We'll have the koozies. We'll have koozies to give away. Also, we'll be doing our Q&A, normal stuff around 7 or 7.30, and we'll be watching the NFL draft together tonight. That begins at 8 o'clock. I know a lot of folks tuned in are very excited for the NFL draft. How many Gamecocks will be selected and who will your favorite NFL team select? But again, guys, all the details are on social media, but Carolina Alehouse Myrtle Beach tonight for the final stop of the spring tour. And let me go ahead and say, guys, because the next time you'll hear from me on the airwaves, of course, because there's no TDC today or tomorrow due to travel, and there's no TDC Monday through Thursday of next week. So over a week, guys, there will be no TDC. The podcast will drop as normal next week. I'm going on a cruise. I'm committing to recording the podcast on the cruise ship, which I think will actually be really cool, right? I've never created content from a cruise ship. I've been on one cruise before, and this was summer of 2017, right? Ironically enough, six years ago. And at that time, we only had like 100 or so followers on social media. And I felt like, you know what? It's no big deal if I go off the grid, whatever. I didn't even know what TSUS was at that point. Didn't really know what I was doing. But at this point, right, I'm not just going to go completely off the grid. So we did get the premium Wi-Fi for the room, and I am going to bring the laptop and the mobile setup, and we will drop the podcast uh, on Monday and Thursday of next week. So really excited about that, but no TDC for the next week or so. So let me go ahead and say this, guys. Thank you all so much as we close out the spring tour. Sincerely, thank you to everyone who has come out, who has shown love, who has shown support. It means more than you will ever know. I mean, truly, guys, I'm, I I can't express... I, 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 I'll never stop expressing the gratitude. Like, I can't express enough gratitude for how grateful I am for each and every single one of you, the love we have felt throughout the tour, and cannot wait to run it back in the summer tour, just like we did last year. We'll probably go late July and throughout the month of August. Really, really looking forward to it. But again, we'll close it out in style tonight with my Myrtle Beach Gamecocks. Carolina Alehouse Myrtle Beach all gets going at 6 o'clock, and of course, all the details are on social media. If you need anything like the address or just, again, the time it runs to, uh, you can find that pinned to the top of our social media channels. But again, quick reminder, no TDC today or tomorrow, no TDC through next Thursday. We will return next Friday, but uh, about a week without the Daily Crow, which is a pretty long time for us. But uh, maybe it'll give you guys a chance to catch your breath, if you will, before we really get in the heat of the baseball season, the postseason upcoming, if you will. But podcast will drop as normal next week. So no need to worry there. That being said, guys, let's go ahead and dive into the show. A big series this weekend as the Yardcocks return to action at Founders Park, taking on the unranked Auburn Tigers tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, Saturday at 4, and then Sunday at noon, Friday and Saturday on SEC Network Plus. The Sunday game is actually on the big channel on SEC Network. The head coach of the Auburn Tigers is Butch Thompson, and of course, he led Auburn to Omaha last year. They were certainly one of the biggest surprises in all of college baseball season ago. It's been a bit of a rough going at it this year. 23-17-1 and overall. They are 7-11 and in the SEC, and they are coming off of a loss, guys, on Tuesday night, which... I mean, it feels like basically every SEC team that played on Tuesday night in a midweek game lost this week. But uh, they lost to Troy, which is kind of ironic because Skyler Mead, the former pitching coach of the Gamecocks, he is the head coach at Troy. So Auburn licking its wounds. They will look to bounce back as we look at the pitching and the hitting. We'll start on the bump. And really, truly, guys, pitching or lack thereof has been the storyline for the Auburn Tigers. A 6.47 team ERA, which is dead last in the SEC, and it's gotten no better in conference play. A 7.85 SEC ERA. So you got to be licking your chops 
if you're the Art Cox this weekend, especially swinging it on your home field. When you look at the projected starting rotation, I actually talked to my guy, AUPPL, who does our series graphics. You You might recognize that. He is a huge Auburn fan. If you did not know that, he told me it's probably going to be Tommy Vale, uh, let's see, Christian Herbolt, and then prayers on Sunday were his exact words. So it has been, again, tough sledding, especially for the starting rotation. But you look at Tommy Vale, he is expected to get the ball tomorrow night, 3-1 and one with a 3.83 ERA, uh, 42 and a third innings pitched, uh, just 18 earned runs allowed, 28 walks to 51 strikeouts, and hitters are just hitting one 66 against him. So he is obviously their best arm. There is no doubt in who they'll roll out there tomorrow. You then look again in Saturday, Christian Herberholz, 0-3 with a 4.95 ERA, 36 and a third innings pitch, 31 strikeouts to 16 walks. Hitters hitting 302 against him. So from 166 to 302, and then they are TBA on Sunday. And you look at the guys who have started for them. Uh, again, Vale has started nine games. Herbert Holes has started five. You then go Zach Crotchfelt, who is 0-2 with a 6.09 ERA, 35 strikeouts to 23 walks in 34 innings pitch. Hitters hitting 269. But, guys, you look at this pitching staff. For this season, hitters are hitting 282 against the Auburn pitching staff. And in conference, hitters are hitting 301. Even Tommy Vale, hitters are hitting 220 against him, which isn't bad in conference play. But Herbert Holes, 243, and everybody else is up in 300. So 301 hitters are hitting against the Auburn pitching staff. Again, the Gamecocks, the Yardcocks should have a field day, or we would expect them based off the numbers to have a field day. This weekend, when you look at the way that Auburn swings the stick, they hit 289 as a team, 245 in SEC play. So not too bad. It's really been the pitching that has done them in this season. When you look at players to watch for, you got to start with Ike Irish hitting 383 on the year, three home runs, 36 RBI. You then go to Bryson Ware, 346, 16 home runs, and 48 driven in. And then finally, Cooper McMurray, who overall in this season uh, started out the season slow. But this is just an SEC play, guys. He's hitting 342, seven home runs, and 20 RBI. So he has been red hot against the best competition in all of college baseball. Guys, let's move into USC. The projected starting rotation, I'd imagine it'll go like this. Will Sanders tomorrow, Jack Mahoney Saturday. And then I would imagine they'll keep it TBA on Sunday. Maybe this is the week where they announce Matthew Becker as the Sunday starter. But I think most likely... They'll keep the consistency, and they will roll with that TBA yet again that will give them flexibility if they want to, for whatever reason, use Matthew Becker on Friday or Saturday. Then they can adjust right and start somebody else. But I think they'll roll Sanders, Mahoney, TBA this week. And as we move into what to watch for, right, you got to start on the injury front. Talmadge LeCroy, Gavin Cassis, the recovery, continued recovery of Will McGillis, do we see especially LeCroy and Cassis? Because there really has not been an update on the McGillis side of things. Do we see Talmadge LeCroy or Gavin Cassis hit the field this week? Of course, the off week with no, uh, with no midweek game field, which we'll talk about more in just a second. But both these guys battling injuries to ball club that is a little bit banged up right now and you want to get your guys healed up for the postseason. So I think if they're anything less than 100%, I do not think you see either guy play, especially when you look at last weekend and the Yardcocks, guys. The beautiful thing is this. You have quality depth, right? Mark Kingston talked about this in the preseason. You have quality depth where you're really not missing a beat. I mean, you'd like to have those guys back in your lineup, sure, but you're not missing nearly as much of a beat. There's no need to push these guys, if you will, especially if they're not uh, 100%. So it'll be interesting to see, has either guy fully recovered, and do they see any action this weekend against Auburn, or do they give them another weekend to rest, to recover? Because obviously, these are huge pieces you're going to need down the road, and I'd much rather have them in the SEC tournament in the postseason than for a series against the Auburn Tigers, who I think Gamecock fans and this team, I'm sure, feels the same way. You feel pretty confident you can take care of your business, even if those guys cannot go. Guys, I just mentioned no midweek game, and I think that's another really interesting storyline and just something to watch for. How does no midweek affect the Yardcocks? Because you, you can look at it one of two ways. The obvious is this. You're a team that's banged up. It's great to not have a midweek game and take that time to rest and recover. But also... When you're as hot as South Carolina is, and the Gamecocks have been red hot all season long, 
But when you're as hot as the Yardcocks are, it's one of those things like you want to play every day, dude. You want to keep rolling out there because you're like, dude, we're red hot. I want to keep swinging it. I want to keep throwing it. Let's get back out on the field. And sometimes an extended period of time off can actually throw you for a loop, if you will. It can throw you out of your rhythm. It can throw you out of your routine. I, I don't expect it much to negatively affect the Yardcocks, but it'll just be interesting. Is there any sort of rust or or does the time off impact them in a positive way? And this team looks as fresh as they've looked in quite some time. So how does no midweek affect this ball club? Going to be really interesting to see. Uh, guys, something else to watch for another weekend with the Rowdy Roosters, man. I mean, th this team plays different at home. And I think that goes for every elite ball club, man. When you get that atmosphere, especially in the SEC with all the great atmospheres in the conference, um, you know, when you have a group of fans, when you have the fans like the Rowdy Roosters and the Passion of Gamecock fans, and, you know, you create the environment that you're going to create at Founders Park, I mean, it, it gives an extra boost, an extra jolt to your ball club. So another weekend at home, protecting the home field where the Gamecocks guys are, what, 24-1 and one at Founders Park? <laughs> Best of luck to the Auburn Tigers because the only team who's been able to salvage a game at Founders has been the number one ranked LSU Tigers. And even that game, I think fans would argue, I mean, you had LSU and you sort of blew it late, if you will. Uh, so anyways, a, a tough place to play for opponents. Gamecocks love playing in front of the home faithful, and I would expect this weekend to follow suit as well. Guys, something else I'm looking forward to, or looking for, if you will, and you know, I, I don't know if this necessarily applies. I, I, we're not behind closed doors. We haven't had one-on-one -on -one conversations with him, but you know, Ethan Petrie has been chasing down these freshman records uh, that Justin Smoke set so long ago, if you will, and I just wonder, now that those records are out of the way, right, the home run record, the RBI record, what have you, is there actually less pressure now on Ethan Petrie? Like, like, could his game, dare I say, could it get better, right? Because he's not thinking about that. I'm not saying he was thinking about it a ton already, but you just wonder, you know, is that something where maybe he was putting some pressure? I got to get that RBI. I got to get that home run. You know, anytime you're chasing some sort of accolade down or a record, if you will, uh, it, it can sort of play mind games with you. Not that it did because he's been crushing the baseball. But, uh, you know, a, a top storyline guy is going into every single weekend with the Yardcocks. I could just put Ethan Petrie's name and say, we get to watch Ethan Petrie play baseball. Like, like that's a tough storyline. That's something to watch for. So I just wonder now with those records out of the way, he can just solely focus on ball. I mean, dare I say, guys, could he be even better? Kind of scary to think about. And also, too, the other thing that I didn't mention, how do they pitch to Petrie? Because at this point, if you're pitching to him, why? That's my question. Like, why are you pitching to Ethan Petrie? Intentionally walk the guy. If you got nobody on base, Ethan Petrie shouldn't see anything good to hit. And if you want to pitch to him, fine, but it's just probably not going to end well for you. Uh, guys, something else I'm watching for, I mentioned Auburn. More questions than answers on the bump. How do they handle their weekend rotation? Because I tell you what, guys, if South Carolina is able to jump all over uh, Vale on Friday, if they're, if they're able to jump all over him and knock him out early, I just don't see how Auburn recovers. If you're the Auburn Tigers, the only chance you have, you need a guy like Vale to shove. I mean, you need him to be special tomorrow night. That's really the only chance I think you stand in this one. And I'm not trying to, guys, I'm, I'm not trying to disrespect the opponent, sleep on the opponent, but Auburn's just had real problems on the mound. So who do they turn to? What's their plan with TBA? Do they find any answers against one of the best lineups in all of college baseball? South Carolina is not a team you want to face when you've got question marks on the mound. And guys, finally, something I'm looking forward to, and it's interesting, and I, I don't really worry about this necessarily with this ball club. And so maybe this would be a bad excuse if this weekend didn't go the way you planned. But avoiding the emotional letdown. You know, it's funny. We talked about this yesterday on social media and on the show about the, you know, letdown games for South kind of football. But it's just human nature, right? Coming off a, a huge weekend in which you play the number three team in all of college baseball at that time, the Florida Gators. The Rowdy Roosters were out and about and going crazy. The atmosphere was electric. This team was amped up and fired up. Can you keep and will you keep that same intensity, that same energy, and that same focus throughout this weekend? Because, guys, call it for what it is. When you look at the numbers on paper, you should at minimum take two of three. You probably should sweep, right? But you can feel it. And I can feel it. Are fans ex as excited for this weekend as they were for last weekend? Probably not. Probably not. Everybody's just writing off Auburn. Oh, they're terrible. 
And the thing is this, for the guys, that's fine. Fans can have that attitude. But for those guys in that clubhouse, for those guys on that ball club, for Mark Kingston, that coaching staff, they know this as well. But you can't let that attitude creep in and take an opponent lightly because that's how you you mess up and you lose two of three to an Auburn. That's how you mess up and you lose or you get swept, if you will, because there are no off weekends in the SEC. So avoiding the emotional letdown, if you will, or, or being rusty or being sloppy or whatever it might be, Approaching your business the right way. Approach it like a professional. Take care of your business. You do that. It should be a really fun weekend for South Carolina. Guys, let's move into my key player of the weekend. And I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Because it's not a player. It's Mark Kingston. The, the key the key gamecock of the weekend, I'll say, it's Mark Kingston. And for the reasons I just mentioned, just keeping this ball club locked in, keeping this ball club focused, right? This team, it's so much fun. And I know some people, some of the old heads, and I know my guy as well, I don't know if he's tuned or not, but I know some people, like, they, they hate some of the baseball antics, David Cromer in the postgame sitting there as the bodyguard. If Like, some, there, there are some people, old men yelling at clouds, if you will, that just hate that, right? They hate the silliness. They hate the foolishness. But, guys, that's just part of the game of baseball. But it's having that balance with that, and you think about the 10 and 11 and 12 teams, right? They were, I mean, you had Michael Roth in those ball clubs, a, a complete goofball. And he would tell you first thing, he kept that clubhouse loose, if you will. He kept it fun. But when it was time to lock in and take care of business, they did that each and every single time. So it's on Mark Kingston, I think, this weekend, of course, to have this ball club ready to play, to keep that balance of, hey, we're going to have fun. This is a joyous, it's a kid's game, right? We're going to have fun while we do it. But let's also be laser-focused. Let's not take our opponent lightly. Let's approach this thing the exact same way we did against the third-ranked Florida Gators. Because if we do that, hey, we're going to sweep, and it'll be a great weekend, and everybody will have a good time. But if you even for a moment let up in the SEC, I don't care what the numbers say, what have you, if you let up for even for a moment, hey, any team in this conference can jump up and bite you. So Mark Kingston keeping his ball club locked in, keeping them engaged. Don't let them buy into the hype, the narrative that, oh, you're just going to sweep Auburn. They're no good. Don't let that into your locker room. Keep this team bought in. Keep them focused. You do that. Again, Mark Kingston, I think, is the key Gamecock. And if you can keep them locked in, like I mentioned, it's going to be a fun weekend. Let's move into, guys, my prediction. And as I've been hinting at this entire show, this is a weekend where South Carolina should be able to have a lot of fun swinging the sticks. I mean, Auburn, the worst in the conference at pitching. They are the worst. The numbers say that. There's no denying it. They are the worst, right? Been okay swinging the sticks, but on the bump, I mean, it has been a complete mystery for them. And that's really, again, been the downfall of a team that we saw in Omaha last year. And I will say Butch Thompson, I think, done a hell of a job with that Auburn baseball program because when you think of Auburn, I don't think you necessarily think great college baseball. I mean, they've been good. They've been good. Don't get me wrong. But they don't have the history and tradition of a South Carolina, of a Florida, of a of a LSU, if you will. Right? So Thompson done a good job, but, you know, certainly with their struggles on the mound, it's been a long season. And when you look at this series, it, it, it feels so easy to say, hey, Gamecocks are going to sweep. Because there's nothing that tells me that Auburn should be able to beat South Carolina. It feels easy to say all of that. It feels too easy. It, it really does. And I may be wrong, which is totally fine. I'm having good luck picking this. But this feels like a weekend in which, you know what, you, you, you were, everybody was so fired up and engaged and locked in and excited to take on the third-ranked Florida Gators. And you showed that all weekend long. This weekend... How does this team, how is this team affected by no midweek? Is this team as fired up, as engaged, as excited to go play? I think they will be. I, I, I don't see this being, you know, I, I think letdowns too strong for sure. But again, it just feels too easy to say Yardcock sweep. It, it, it feels too easy in my opinion. And, and I might be dead wrong. Like I said, I might be dead wrong because this team hasn't lost to anybody at Founders Park. But this is still the SEC. You're not going to go undefeated. You know, it's it's a league where anybody can beat anybody. That being said, I think South Carolina's hitters do take advantage. I, I think they have another big weekend. I, I don't see Auburn, certainly this pitching staff, slowing them down. But out of principle almost, you know, I, I don't know which game it'll be. I don't know how it'll happen, but I think Auburn will steal one. Lock me in, guys. I, I've got South Carolina 
Winning two of three. And again, this has worked out really well of late. Because it seems like every time I pick us to win two of three, the Yardcocks sweep. But it just would not shock me coming off a long week in which you didn't have a game in the midweek. You've had time to rest and recover. But an emotional week in which you just took down Florida, you're in the top five. You'll win the series, no doubt, guys. I'd be floored if the Gamecocks didn't at minimum take two of three. But the sweep, it it would not shock me because the SEC's crazy, guys. Hey, Georgia swept Arkansas last week. I know that game, that that series was in Athens. But my point being is that you just never know. It's unpredictable. Uh, This league and this game has just a way of doing things that are unexpected uh, time and time again. So with that being said, guys, lock me in. Gamecocks win the series two out of three, but it would not shock me if Auburn steals a game and I'm going to predict it. And like I said, guys, of late, that prediction has worked out pretty well, (laughs) pretty damn well in the Yardcocks' favor. So again, lock me in. South Carolina takes two of three in this one in what should be a fun weekend at Founders Park, especially for the Yardcock Sticks, if you will. Guys, that's going to do it for me. Appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. Don't go anywhere, though. we got a great conversation upcoming. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. As we talk South kind of football, SEC football, with former Georgia quarterback, right? Kind of weird. I'm sure people in the intro were like, What? getting a Georgia QB, but Aaron Murray does a great job on ESPN SEC Network. He also is the president of the Players' Tribune, which is a really, really cool entity we talk about in this conversation as well. So really good stuff from Aaron Murray. And guys, great stuff from you all all week long. Thank you all so much, like I said, for the continued love and support on the Daily Crow side of things, the podcast, the merchandise, social media. It means more than you'll ever know. And I'm truly grateful for each and every single one of you guys. That being said, thank you all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Thursday and enjoy this conversation with former Georgia quarterback Aaron Murray. All right, guys, joining us on the Spurs Up show. Very excited. He's a former University of Georgia quarterback, president of the Players' Tribune, co-host of the Snaps podcast, and an ESPN college football analyst. And no, I did not stutter. He played quarterback, not for the University of South Carolina, but the University of Georgia. And I'm very excited for this conversation. Aaron Murray joins the show. Aaron, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, I appreciate you you reaching out and and, and glad to be on. And uh, I don't think South Carolina fans hate me too much because they're the one team that uh, I have a major losing record to going one for three during my time. The only team in the SEC East, uh, I lost to Vandy once, lost to Florida once, but three and one versus those teams. Uh, but South Carolina, man, one and three, you guys put an absolute butt whooping on me <laughs> for three years, which was, uh, was a lot of fun to go up there uh, to start the game. Not so much when the game ended, but uh, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of 
uh, hatred towards me because I kind of sucked in those games. <laughs> yeah, Aaron, I was going to ask you, obviously, you've completely dove into the media side of things after your playing career. What what was more, what was, uh, what was scarier or more nerve-wracking for you, diving into the media side of things or facing off against Jadavion Clowney? Yeah, Jadavion was was a freak. Uh, yeah, it was definitely between you know, especially going up there between Sandstorm and and Jadavion come off the edge. Yeah, I mean it was it was so scary a couple of times. I, I one of the the biggest mistakes I had in my career, and I and I kind of pride myself, especially on the on the blitz protection, is you know obviously we want to slide our protection to Clowney. Like, can we get four hands on him at all times? And I don't know. I must have got my bell wrong a couple of plays before. I don't know why I would do this. But I slid the protection the opposite way from Clowney for some reason. So put Keith Marshall, running back, on Clowney. And I think a lot of people have seen the picture where Clowney's hurtling over, you know, Keith. And, you know, his belt buckles literally in my face. I'm like, my God, what the hell am I supposed to do in this situation? I'm trying to throw a slant to the left. And all I see is just a giant human being flying at me like Superman. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm an idiot. And I just remember Bobo, I got to the sideline, but I was like, what the hell? And there's not a lot more colorful words you know it's just like what the hell were you thinking why would you slide the i'm like dude i i screwed up i know i know uh but that the, the you know william b will do that to you man that place gets loud uh one that i would say the one of the more intimidating places in the country sneaky sneaky crazy and um yeah always always kick my butt well, Aaron, I promise I didn't bring you on here to just pepper you with, with Jadavion Clowney questions and relive 2011, 2012, what have you, although a lot of Gamecock fans probably love to do that. Uh, but I had to get one in there. I, I want to start, Aaron, first with obviously you've got the hat on, the Players' Lounge, and I know we were talking a little bit off-air, but you're the president of the Players' Tribune, and I saw the interview you guys did with uh, Georgia quarterback Carson Beck, and I think it's really cool. And the day and age of NIL and uh, giving back to players, it looks like you guys are doing that. So I'd love for you to take the floor, just kind of talk about – what exactly is the Players' Lounge, Players' Tribune, for those who are not familiar, and just all the other work you're doing as well? Because, again, you're all over the place, my man, with the Players' Tribune, the Snaps podcast, obviously the work you do on SEC Network, ESPN. Uh, so just give people kind of an idea behind that and all the other things you're doing as well. Yeah, probably too many things. My wife drives her crazy a little bit, but uh, <laughs> I enjoy it. Luckily, it's all things I love because it's covering college sports. I would say the, the, the ESPN-SEC gig is, is great. I was with CBS for five years. This is my first year with with the SEC ESPN, which was great because I got to cover, you know, mostly SEC games, uh, which is which is a blast. And um, at a South Carolina game last year, which was fun, my first game calling a game there. Uh, snaps daily podcast I do with my boy T Bob A Bear, who uh, former offense lineman center at LSU. So that's done through uh, the Colin Coward network of of, of podcasts. So that's that's exciting. I love it. Like I said, that's a daily show. And then uh, with the Players Lounge, you know, we wanted to. Um, this was about 18 months ago. We wanted to find a way to, as Letterman, uh, help support the student athletes at Georgia. So the goal is to connect student athletes with the fan base and help these kids build their brand while obviously putting money in their pockets. So we've been able to sign up 250 kids across the country. It started with Georgia. We've expanded to Tennessee, Clemson, LSU, Oklahoma, Texas. So we signed up over about 250 kids. And, and really just, you know, we put on events, whether it's tailgates, we had a tailgate for our G day the other day, had over 800 people there, had a bunch of former players come by, um, you know, so that was a lot of fun. Everyone, you know, had a, had a really, really good time. Uh, and then also we do the uh, uh, essentially shows too, in which, you know, I sit down with these players and we kind of talk, chop it up. And we feel like it's just the new media, you know, where, you know, where you're not getting necessarily coach speak, where, uh, a player is maybe talking to a reporter that they don't really know. You know, they're talking with guys that have been in the locker room, guys that have played at the university, guys who they they they've seen film of. So when they sit down with them, it's a little bit more chill, it's a little bit more relaxed. You kind of get those kids to open up a lot more. So we feel like the content is really really good. So we've done a lot of that to make sure you go check us out on YouTube. Um, like you said, I just had a great piece with Carson Beck, who is going to be most likely the quarterback for Georgia next year. Sat down and just talked about his journey, man, and, and what the past few years have been like backing up Stetson and now getting ready for hopefully his opportunity to finally be QB1 heading into the season. So it's been a blast. We've been able to put in, you know, I think over a million dollars in the players' pockets in just 18 months, which has been great. So we're looking to continue to expand, get these players paid, and like I said, have a good time doing it. Hopefully get to South Carolina too sooner yeah. rather than later. It'll be fun. Yeah, no, that'd be awesome. I was going to say, Aaron, speaking of QB1, I'm sure that was a great conversation with him because I'm sure at the same time, like he's picking your brain because you've been exactly in his seat. You've gone through it. 
as a starting quarterback in the SEC, and you've dealt with the pressures at a University of Georgia. Uh, speaking of QB1, let's talk Spencer Rattler, his game. Obviously, he comes in this time last year, was a major unknown, right, coming in from Oklahoma. And it was really interesting, Aaron, I thought, the the sort of mixed reviews around Rattler because there were some that were extremely high on this guy. I thought, you know, I, I think it was Tebow and uh, your buddy Jordan Rogers over there, the guys at SEC Network that were ranking Rattler as one of the best two or three quarterbacks in the SEC, which was, you know, a bold claim at that point because he hadn't taken a snap yeah. in the league and he had some struggles late at Oklahoma. Then you had some people that thought maybe he wasn't even a top 10 quarterback in the league or just thought he was lower down the list. They didn't believe him. Your buddy, again, David Pollock, who had just said, hey, if you can't do it at Oklahoma – how are you going to do it here, right? And I feel like both sides were kind of right, right? Because we saw both sides of Spencer Rattler. Yep. Much more hype, though, I think, around this time going into this season because of the performances he had late in the season against Tennessee and Clemson. Your just overall thoughts on Rattler as a player. What did you see last year that you liked? Maybe you'd like to see him improve going into this year. And how do you think he stacks up amongst the SEC signal callers in the 2023 season? Yeah, so I think last year the difficult part with Spencer was he was looked at as finally we have a quarterback. You know, you bring in this guy from Oklahoma who did have success. There's no doubt about it. The talent was there. In South Carolina, you know, for, for a couple of years now, needed a quarterback. They needed someone to be consistent, whether it was, you know, obviously guys getting banged up, moving receivers to quarterback. I mean, it was all over the place. So finally you felt like you got your guy. This is the guy that's going to take us to, to a great season. But, you know, I remember I had them early on in, in the year and talking with the coaching staff Man, it's 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 not easy learning a new system and not going to make excuses for Spencer, but he went from from an offense that was more, you know, uh, single high, two high progression. So as a quarterback, you get to line scrimmage, single high, I'm going to work, say, to the right side, two high, I'll work to the left side. And it's just a different way of, of, of essentially breaking down plays. Well, he goes to South Carolina and it was more of a full field read where you're reading the entire field. You're working from one to two to three to four and kind of going right across and until you get to your check down and that it really puts a lot of stress on your footwork, puts a lot of stress on your eyes and obviously a lot of repetitions. It just took some time for him to get better and better with that. And so, you know, watching him early in the season, you know, you see some of the mistakes he made. And I mean, I remember saying like a couple of my shows to me, it was all his feet and his eyes. They were in the wrong spot and he was late. And when you're late with your feet and when you're late with your arms, you better have Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen type arm strength, which he has pretty good arm strength to be able to save yourself. And he just wasn't able to do that. But then all of a sudden you saw, you know, starting towards the middle, towards the end of the season, obviously the great run they had at the end of his feet being in rhythm on time, his eyes being in the right spot, being able to throw with a little bit more anticipation, you know, because his footwork has always been great. Like I love his ability to maneuver around the pocket. I love his ability to get on the run, throw on the run, but it was just the the comfort in the system took a little bit of time. And I think to the pressures as well, you know, when you're looked as the guy who's going to take us to the next level, because we've had some issues with quarterbacks, you kind of go out there and you try to, to, to be that Heisman caliber quarterback that we all thought he would be. And you start making mistakes. You start trying to press a little bit too much. So I think heading into year two, he's a little bit more, most likely comfortable in his own skin. Doesn't feel like he has to, to, to put the way the short, the world on his shoulders you know, I know he's learning a new system now with the new OC, but just a lot more mature quarterback, more familiar with the, the the players around him, more familiar being in that locker room. So I anticipate him taking a big step, hopefully, for this season. I think he's a top five quarterback in the SEC. And this isn't the SEC of, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I mean, we're about to have three quarterbacks possibly drafted in, in, in the top five picks in the NFL draft. This is a really good league of quarterbacks. It's going to be another really good year of quarterbacks as well. I think he's right in the mix, like I said, of a top five guy. Uh, by the end of the season. And something there that certainly should help when you got a guy like Juice Wells to throw to, who I think yeah. is probably one of the most underrated receivers. I'll say nationally, because in Gamecock circles, I think we all know how good he is, but maybe not talked about quite as much in the SEC, certainly on the national scale as well. And I think he will uh, he will be a big-time playmaker for the Gamecocks on the outside. When you look, Aaron, you know, not to ask you your predictions or anything. We got a long way to go, right, for the 2023 season. We haven't even gotten close to media days yet, but I'm curious to get your take on this because last year Carolina goes eight and five, eight and four in the regular season. And I really feel like the season was salvaged in the final two games. And I, and I say salvaged from a standpoint of, you know, you were six and four, just got embarrassed by Florida. And I, I feel like this fan base was down and out. And those final two weeks, I don't think we've ever seen anything like it. You beat back-to-back top 10 mm -hmm. opponents. 
your your double digit underdogs, you know, 14 plus, 17 plus, 22 point underdog against Tennessee. And uh, I, I mean, nobody could have seen that coming. My question to you, Aaron, is this. When you look back at that season, first things first, your thoughts on that and the roller coaster that it was, but also your perception of this program and this team going into 2023 season. Like, I think the interesting conversation is, do you see them more as what we saw in the first 10 games last year or more in the last two, or is it somewhere in the middle, right? Like, I think a lot of Gamecock fans look as like those last two regular season games are sort of going to catapult South Carolina into the 2023 season. And I'm not sure the answer is quite that simple. You know what I mean? Because there's so many moving pieces and so many teams and the SEC got better, right? It, it, it's just, you yeah. know, you've seen quarterbacks added through the portal, different players. So your just thoughts on this program. And if you want to start with 2022 and just kind of how crazy those last two weeks were and then just how it applies to now, because I think this is a different dynamic for Shane Beamer and company. Now there's some expectations, right? And with expectations, yeah. there comes pressure. And I think no longer you're that that darling, if you will, that, well, if you can just win six games, now it's like, okay, let's see if you can improve on an eight-win season. And when you have that type of pressure, you know, it, it, ask Arkansas last year, right? It didn't exactly go yeah. the way they expected. So you're just overall thoughts well, on that and going into this year. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I, I anticipate more of what we saw towards the end of the season, it, you know, especially with Spencer back. But it's all it's all going to be based on 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 health. I mean, you saw some issues with with them early in the season. Make the the difference between Georgia and Bama. LSU's getting there. LSU's pretty close, and and the rest of every everyone else in the SEC right now is, you know, if your starters get hurt, there's a significant drop to the number twos into the number threes. Where Georgia and Alabama, you know, it's kind of like okay, our number twos and number threes could probably go out there and start the rest of the SEC. Like that's how deep and how good they are. LSU, like I said, you know, I had their spring game this past weekend. You know, they feel like in watching them, their depth has is significantly improved from last year to this year and why they feel more confident being able to you know, maybe compete with Georgia if they do face them again in the SEC championship game, South Carolina is still building that. So, you know, if, if they get banged up at offensive line, if they get banged up at defensive line at all this season, you're going to see a significant dip in production. And that's an issue, especially there in the trenches. Like this is still a game. I don't care what these offenses look like when it comes to the amount of receivers on the field or the quarterback in the gun, primarily, if you can't block, if you can't get after the quarterback, if you can't win with inside the trenches, you're going to be in trouble. So I do think that there's a little bit of a worry of depth issue there for, for South Carolina. That's something that you either going to have to hit in the transfer portal or hope that some freshmen really step up to give you some depth heading into the fall. But, you know, when it comes to just starting talent, especially on the offensive side of the football, you're going to be able to score points and and I think take advantage of, of your schedule. So, yeah, I anticipate – yeah, I'm not going to say South Carolina is going to be a 10 win team this year. I think that, you know, I think eight nine wins is 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 realistic. You know, maybe you get 10 with with a bowl win, but you know, I think Georgia obviously is Georgia. I think Tennessee having to go to Tennessee is going to be extremely tough. I'm 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 really high on Joe Milton. I love their offense. I love their receivers. You know, I think they're going to be improved depth wise as well. And it's it's on the road versus Tennessee. I think that would be a monster win for South Carolina if they can pull it off. But right there, that's that's two losses, and and then you have to obviously win the rest of them to 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 get to that ten wins at the moment. And I think they're better than yeah. I do think they take care of business for North Carolina. I love Drake May. I don't think North Carolina has the talent that South Carolina does on both sides of the football. You'll take care of Furman. I really don't know what you're going to get from Mississippi State, but I do think that South Carolina can handle that, especially at home. I think they can handle business for Florida. I think Florida is going to be down once again this year. Missouri will be an interesting one, but I like South Carolina in that one. Uh, at AM, you know, AM is more talent, but you know, they haven't been able to prove it for, for a couple of years now. So you don't really know what you get. So that's kind of a toss-up, a little difficult game there on the road versus Texas AM. And then, you know, Kentucky Clemson on the back end of your schedule. So, you know, uh, Clemson, I'm not hundred percent sold on. I when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I don't know if I love their quarterback heading into this season. Yeah, I kind of think Florida State is is the team that's gonna end up actually winning the ACC. So there's a lot of wins to be had there. You know, I think the more impressive one, if you can, you know, if you do want to take a step forward, in my opinion, if you're South Carolina and Shane Beamer, is that game versus Tennessee on September 30th. If you can go on the road to Knoxville and win that game, all of a sudden a lot of people are gonna start saying, wow, like they are. You know, they are they are moving in the right direction of, of catching Georgia. And obviously, if you can make that game in Athens competitive, you know, those are all the signs for me. Like, so that those are the big games I would have circled if I'm South Carolina. Can you make that game versus Georgia more competitive? And if you can win that on the road versus Tennessee, uh, I think you're on the way for, you know, a nine, nine, eight, nine win season, possibly 10 win season. Aaron, I was going to say, we welcome all of the Clemson slander on this podcast. We actually call them Clemson sucks on my show. So um, <laughs> just just saying. I know it's an SEC. I don't know if I feel – I'm not feeling club Nick at all. I'm just be honest. <laughs> like, you know, I, I know – I hate to judge a guy on his first season, but, you know, watching him in the bowl game and watching him throughout the season, I think he's good. I just don't think there's elite talent there. So there's room for him to grow, but, you know, he's not going to be – Deshaun he's not going to be Trevor he's not going to be you know these elite quarterbacks that Clemson's had in, in years past I think he's going to be kind of similar you know stat wise to what we've seen for the past couple of years which you know for Clemson standards is pretty low and kind of gives everyone else a chance in that league and obviously South Carolina at the end of the year and I wanted to echo your point too, Aaron about depth in the trenches and being elite in the trenches and you think about it I don't think it's a coincidence that the golden era of South kind of football, which of course took place when you were in Athens. Uh, the Gamecocks had their best offensive lines and defensive lines in school history. I mean, that's why the Gamecocks were winning. That's why they made your life hell and everybody else's life hell because you had those type mm-hmm. of guys up front. And speaking on that, the job that Shane Beamer is doing in recruiting, right? He knows that. He's talked about it before. You got to run the football, got to stop the run again. At the end of the day, you can have all the bells and whistles, but if you don't have the foundation, which is your guys in the trenches, it really doesn't matter at all. And he's reflecting that or he's showing that he knows that through recruiting. The way they're recruiting, they finished top 20 uh, in the 2023 class. Right now, they rank in the top five for 2024, eight of their 10 mm-hmm. or four stars. He's doing things in the blue chip ratio that never happened before. And I think, Aaron, this speaks to him. What I want you to talk about is just the momentum that Beamer has created around the program. Because, you know, we're sitting here talking about, will the Gamecocks win eight wins or nine wins? Or could they break through and hit 10 wins? And, like, for us to be having those conversations, just going into his third year after what he inherited, and I'm not saying that Will Muschamp completely left the cupboard bare, if you will, but this program was yeah. in disarray. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. They had won six games in their previous two seasons. He wins seven in year one. He wins eight in year two. Just talk about Shane Beamer. Of course, this is a guy who was on Georgia staff, right? He worked under Kirby. I'm not sure if you had any run-ins with him then, but just talk about Shane Beamer, your overall thoughts on the job he's done to this point at South Carolina. He's he's unbelievable. I mean, I think he's everyone's one of everyone's favorite favorite coaches out there, just personality wise. I mean, he's always gracious to fans and media and recruits, and and you know, he's the type of guy that everyone wants to play for. You know, he, he's going to motivate you. He's going to find creative ways to to take your game to another level, and he's going to sit in a room with a recruit and make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. And, and same thing with mom and dad. So, yeah, he's. You know, and 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 once again, you know, nothing against South Carolina, but you're recruiting against you know, the Nick Sabins and the Kirby Smarts of the worlds and Dabo and what he's built there at Clemson and their longevity and the championships and the pedigree and you know, along with against everyone else in 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 the SEC, that's no easy task. You know, a lot of them have the big bells and whistles, and like I said the big trophies and, and this and the other, and he's right there with them when it comes to getting top tier talent there to to Columbia, South Carolina. So. Uh, I, as a person, he's one of my favorite guys. Like I always enjoy, you know, covering them or SEC media days, or if he jumps onto one of my radio shows, you know, you just literally walk away saying like, damn, like that guy has it. He just has it. He has that it factor that once again, like you want to play for him. So not surprised at all that they've had as much success as they've had when it comes to the recruiting, not surprised at all that they've had the success when it comes to, you know, laying that foundation to continue to build a culture. And that's something too, that let's not forget. You just said it's, you know, it's only, it's, 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 it's very early in his tenure. Mm -hmm. It takes time 
to build that culture to what you want it. You know, you're still laying that foundation. It's funny. I was talking to Brian Kelly this past weekend before their game. And you know, he kind of said it like this, like, man, you're, you're painting the walls of your house or you're painting the car. You know, last year I put my first layer of paint on and it's, it's good, but it's nowhere near thick enough yet. Now all of a sudden I'm, I'm putting that second paint layer of paint on this year. Now all those players are now hearing everything I've been preaching for a second time. So those, those freshmen and sophomore are going to hear it two, three, four times. So it's going to be ingrained in them about what I expect from you when it comes to practice, academics, on the field, off the field, the meeting room, the workout room. And then they can teach the incoming freshmen. They can teach the guys that come in through the transfer portal. Same thing with Shane Beamer, man. The more guys hear that same message multiple times during the course of their career, the more that that culture is going to be what he needs it to be. And then those guys are going to be able to help bring that on to those incoming guys as well, too. So it's still early. And the fact that he's having that much success right now, I think should give everyone confidence that that the sky's the limit when it comes to Shane Beamer and, um, you know, getting this program to, you know, top 20, top 25. Aaron, I, I spring games are in the books. Obviously, we move into the quote unquote off season. I know you have to take them with a grain of salt. And I'm sure you can speak to that as a player, right? You don't show anything. It's It's a glorified scrimmage, call it for what it is. But uh, anything that stood out to you in the Gamecock spring game, I think some guys flashed for sure. Trey Knox at tight end, the Arkansas transfer. I thought it was, you know, ho-hum, business as usual for Spencer Rattler. He he showed some nice things. He looked comfortable. Juice Wells picked up right where he left off. Some guys on defense, Brian Thomas Jr. off the edge, uh, Jalon Kilgore at DB, Elijah Davis. Again, if you're a diehard, you're following those things. I understand though why, like – I mean, again, it's it's spring games, right? But anything specifically that stood out to you in the Garnet and Black spring game, what you saw from South Carolina? Yeah, well, I like Spencer. You know, I like what I saw from Spencer, just in rhythm, on time, accurate. You know, you talk about Trey. Yeah, my favorite position right now in college football is a tight end spot. So, you know, I, I, I was fortunate enough to be in Kansas City when, when Travis Kelsey got going. You know, actually my first pass in preseason, my very first pass in the NFL – was a touchdown to Travis Kelsey. Then the next game, they take Travis and put him with the starters. And now the rest is history. And Travis is going to go down as maybe one of the best tight ends of all time. But it started with my touchdown pass. Um, no, Travis is an absolute freaking beast. But you know, I got to kind of see from from Coach Reed you know, what you're capable of doing with a with an athletic body, moving a guy around, a guy that is, you know, receiver but is willing to you know, get a little bit dirty with blocking, put his hand in the ground, and, and Trey's going to continue to get better with that with more reps as well. But, you know, being able to personnel, you know, dictate tempo, dictate what you want to do offensively, make the defense have to communicate, the best way to do that is with a tight end. You're seeing the best offenses in the NFL from Kansas City to, you know, even, even what San Francisco does and, and all over the place. It's even in college football what some of the guys are doing now when it comes to tight ends being able to create matchup issues with a defense because you don't know what to do. You know, do you, do you treat them as a receiver? Do you treat them as a linebacker? Do you bring in a nickel personnel to bring an extra DB in there to cover them? Do you stay in base defense? Like there is a lot of communication that has to go on from the DC to the, 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 you know, the Mike linebacker making calls that, that is, is, you know, how offenses take advantage nowadays because of these athletic bodies. So, the more you can get Trey involved in the offense, the more you can move him around from hand in the dirt to slot to single him up backside, the more that just gives Spencer Rattler in this offense indicators about man, zone, blitzes, and and then you can kind of you know play a little bit faster from the quarterback spot. So I'm excited for Trey. I think Trey can have a, a tremendous year because like you alluded to a couple of times on the show, there's going to be a lot of attention on, hey, how do we stop juice? How do we stop juice? How do we stop juice? Well, if you want to leave Trey one-on-one with a linebacker or a safety, I guarantee you Spencer's going to take that matchup nine times out of ten. So all of a sudden as a defense, you've got to figure out who do you want to stop, and then you got the athleticism of, of, of Spencer back there in the pocket as well. So uh, be on the lookout for, for those three guys I think can have a special year. Aaron, this has been a fantastic conversation. Man, we'd definitely love to have you back on as we get closer to the season, and obviously we can dive more in the depths of the 2023 campaign and, and what have you. But last thing before I get you out of here – that week three game against the Georgia Bulldogs. You mentioned that. And obviously, again, you're a Georgia man, so I got to get your thoughts on this. A lot of Gamecock fans, uh, maybe they're getting out ahead of themselves, but they've got that game circled. And especially if you beat North Carolina week one, right? It's going to set up. South Carolina's probably going to be a top 20 team, I would imagine, at that point. Georgia will be number yep. one. And we all know Shane Beamer. He loves playing 
the underdog. And I would say that, you know, it's it's still probably very unlikely, but hey, the last SEC East team to beat the dogs between the hedges, and I think to beat them at all, it's South Carolina in 2019, which is, I'll tell you this, Aaron, as a Gamecock fan, I can admit, one of the most improbable wins I've ever, I mean, I yeah. just I still to this day am like, how did that four and eight football team beat Georgia that day? I don't know. Either way, when you look at that game to win week three, dogs are probably going to be a, I would say at minimum a 17 point favorite. They still got the depth. They're going to be my pick to win the SEC East, obviously. And I, I just would not be surprised at this point with the machine that Kirby's built if they win th- their third straight national championship. Cause I, you know, I, I agree with the depth that you talk about with Georgia. And I think Beck is going to fill in nicely at quarterback. And I think he's going to yep. run the offense efficiently. Like I don't, I, you know, I think Georgia is set. But if South Carolina were to go in there, let's say it's a one-score game in the fourth quarter or even crazier pull off the upset, like what would be the recipe for that? Like what would South Carolina have to do to hang in there with the dogs and have a chance to win that game late? Well, I think it, it comes down to the the you know turnover battle. I mean, you can't turn the ball over. Like if you're if you're the underdog, last thing you can do is is give the ball up. So Spencer's going to be out. You have to be perfect. You know, he's going to have to play a game like he did versus, versus Clemson. You know, where he's taking care of the football. I think a couple of things have to go right on offense. Take care of the football. You can't have turnovers. You can't lose that battle. And you got to hit explosive plays down the field. You know, we've seen explosive plays hurt Georgia, and I think they're very talented at the secondary this year. You know, they got a lot of guys back from from Malachi Starks to um, Javon Bullard and and, and Kamari Lassiter. Like they're pretty darn good on the secondary, but still, you got to find ways to get some one on one matchups. And Spencer's just going to have to take some chances. Like you got to take chances, especially between the forties. You know, it is so hard to think that a, a defense like Georgia on the road, you're going to be able to drive you know, from the 2025 and, and score touchdowns consistently, you know, if by long methodical drives, it's not going to happen. When you get between the 40s, you got to take your shot. So take some shot plays, obviously be smart when you do them, take care of the football. I think that's recipe on offense and defensively hope you can get a couple turnovers and then you have to make it a four quarter game. You know, anytime that you are a heavy favorite as, as a player, as a team, and all of a sudden you get into the fourth quarter and it's a close game, your butt gets tight. And the underdog gets pretty juiced because then all of a sudden you're like, oh, damn, we weren't expecting a dog fight. We were expecting our twos to be in here. You're not, you know, can you turn that switch on? Georgia just proven that they could last year, you know, against Missouri and a couple other teams that, hey, you know, we were kind of sleepwalking to the first three quarters. We kick in an overdrive in the fourth and we kind of take over. But that's the position you want to put them in. Make them have to kick it into overdrive when they're not having to, you know, essentially expect to do that. Make them a little bit nervous at home. And um, you may have a chance to do it. But first things first, man, just Spencer has to be just in general this year. Spencer wants to take a step forward. Spencer wants to be, you know, a top two round pick in the NFL draft. He's got to do the, the the number one commandment for all quarterbacks. Don't turn it over. Treat that thing like a little baby. And uh, if he can do that for his Georgia and take a couple of shots and connect on them deep, they can make it a four quarter game. Yeah, I was going to say, Aaron, too, in closing, it'll be interesting to see where Rattler is viewed for next year's NFL draft with what we're seeing with, like, Richardson and Levis and these other guys. I'd be really curious to see kind of how he's viewed because he's once thought of as, like, the no-brainer number one pick in the NFL draft and the Oklahoma thing happens. And then last year, it'll be it, – I'm curious to see if he can kind of work his way back up to a – first round maybe NFL draft grade we'll see Aaron Murray former Georgia quarterback president of the Players Tribune co-host of Snaps podcast obviously does great work with ESPN SEC Network Aaron I appreciate you taking the time my friend let's definitely do it again soon for sure but uh thank you so much and appreciate all your hard work I appreciate man thanks for having me and yeah let's uh, definitely get me after after uh, SEC media days get some insider stuff going on (laughs) and uh, and figure out what these teams are gonna look like come come season time but yeah definitely get me back on Absolutely. He's Aaron Murray. I'm Chris Lutz. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on an episode of the Spurs Up Show.
headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.